This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You talk about really hit striking fish. One night we were out blue fishing in the evening. I was jogging on the property and into the woods and and then I noticed there was um, a man fishing. He like waved and flagged me over and he says, hey, hey, can you take a picture of me? And I said, sure. Right. So last last uh, winter we went ice fishing. Uh, Saturday we got uh, three pick rolls and then a uh, real nice day out, sunny. Short sleeves. On the ice? Yeah, on the ice. Fish stories. Everybody's got a fish story. We were on vacation with some friends, and a bunch of them were really into fishing. Um, I don't fish that often, but I enjoy it. We were off of um, Rocky Point. We couldn't stop pulling them in until we got tired. As a matter of fact, I remember one fish that we pulled in that I asked slap my young son with it. As we're trying to rip it off the hooks. That's how fast we were working at it. Some fish stories are funny. So he, he holds on to this fish and I take pictures of him. And he says, do you want it? And I didn't know how to respond because, you know, I didn't want to be rude. But I was on a jog. And how am I going to carry a fish on a jog? <laughs> so the, a bunch of them would get up really early, do a lot to try to catch fish. Me, I, I would go when I felt like it, usually after dinner. Um, Other fish stories, maybe a little unbelievable. When we finished, we were losing some of the lures. We were actually just getting shiners on a hook. They were biting anything. We had over 50 or 60 bluefish. That was fun. But then cleaning them and filleting them, that was really the job, but we enjoyed them. Some fish stories end in victory. Others. And Sunday was negative 20. We were fr- frozen. Not so well. Uh, we did catch one. We were pulling it up. As soon as we got the fish, the line broke. The fish swam away. So we were all upset. And then uh, we caught another one and uh, drug the pole down a little bit. <laughs> so we quickly grabbed it from the hole. And then uh, we were using the auger, and the auger broke. whole string came right apart. One thing's for sure, though. We love to hear them. 
And while they were all struggling and working really hard to try to catch fish, I sat at the end of the boat with a good book. I dropped my line, and we ate walleyes that I caught all night long while they caught nothing. I just told him, I said, well, thank you, but um, I don't have time to clean a fish right now. <laughs> and he says, well, you could just put it in your freezer. Um, and I said, well, thank you, thank you, but I, I won't be carrying that fish right now. <laughs> so today on Homesteady, fish stories. I'm going to tell you my fish stories. We're going to talk about how you can catch your own fish stories. And maybe we'll even squeeze a fish story out of Mike. So everybody ready? Here we go. The world that we live in is a crazy place. But you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. And we can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteady. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I hope you had a really good time last month working on your raised beds. We had a blast putting ours together. Uh, we gathered up some of the wood that we had cut from a couple years back from one of the uh, pasture clearing projects. And we put together uh, three beautiful raised beds on the porch. Uh, you can check out the website which is now up and to see pictures of that and a blog post about how you can make the same kind of ones we did. And if you don't know what we're talking about, raise beds, huh? We'll go back and listen to episode one. Well, welcome to episode two. Now we're going to move forward. And this week we're talking about fishing. Now if you trace my homesteading roots all the way back to try to figure out where this started, you know, you're going to Sherlock Holmes this piece, <laughs> you're going to find me and Biggie Bass. Biggie Bass was the fish that I never caught. I told you I was going to tell you a fish story today. I was on the back of my parents' boat. Growing up, my parents took us fishing all the time. Now, my dad and my mom, they're not real big fishermen themselves, but they always brought us to fish. I loved it from probably the age of four I was out fishing. And uh, they were real good about taking us every time we wanted to go. This particular day, something changed. I used to go for sunnies. I'd be standing on the dock just pulling sunnies up with a little corn on the hook. And uh, this day I'm out and casting. I got a little spinner bait on the end of my line and I'm reeling this thing in. And all of a sudden, bam, something hits the end of my line and takes off. And I'm really excited. So I start reeling this thing in and my dad's right next to me and he's saying, oh, you got it, bud. You got it. Come on, fight it. This is a good one. This is a good fish. So I'm reeling it in and I'm excited. It gets real close to the boat, probably five or six feet away. You know, and it's pulling and I'm fighting. And now I know this thing is within my grasp. And this fish, he turns and my dad goes, oh man, you got a bass. He could see from the color, oh man, you got a bass. And I'm so excited. I never caught a bass before. I almost got this thing in the boat. And then, heartbreak. My line goes slack, and I am just crushed. And my dad trying to console me, he says, All right, bud, Biggie Bass got away today, but don't worry, he'll get bigger, you can catch him again. I've been trying to catch Biggie Bass for the last 20 years. <laughs> I've caught a lot of nice fish since then, 
but I still don't feel like I've caught biggie bass yet. That one loss, that fish that I didn't catch, eats eats at me more. And I truly, truly believe that is the reason why I'm so addicted to this day. I gotta get out. I gotta catch these fish when they're biting because I never caught biggie bass. And that's the cool thing about fishing. It just gets in. It just gets under your skin. As soon as you start trying it out, you start tugging at that line, and there's a creature on the other end of the line that's trying to fight you. It's just this awesome experience. And if you've never tried it, you gotta try it. Not only because, again, our show, we're going to talk about how to put food on the table. It's a great way to do that. You can go out, have some fun, and come home with dinner. My first pasture-to-plate experience, but it's not really a pasture because we're talking about a fish. I know. Um, What could you call that? My first river-to-dinner experience. I had that with my Uncle John a couple years after Biggie Bass. My Uncle John, he really likes to cook. He likes to cook his catch. So we went out and suddenly this whole new world was opened up to me. He said, oh no, we're going to keep these. We're going to take them home. We're going to cook them up. So we were just catching sunnies off the dock that day. And I must have caught probably 30 or 40 of these things. These are little fish. If you've never, if you don't know what a sunny is, it's about the size of your hand. And uh, so that's about 40 or 50 fish that now I get to clean. (laughs) And you know what job I got? I had, I was the scaler. So I'm out there scraping away at these fish and I'm just covered up in scales. Uh, But Uncle John cooked them up, fried them up, and man, that was it. Fish was food. Okay, wait, uh, name that movie. Fish are food, not friends. Cooking Nemo. (laughs) Alright, so uh, this method of how to catch fish that we're going to talk about today, I really learned uh, the first year we were married. That year, again, I really enjoyed fishing, but now we're, we're... married we're living in an apartment together and we were working I was working three days a week so money wasn't flowing like uh, Mr. Moneybags so it only made sense if I'm gonna go out and spend all this time fishing I might as well bring some home for dinner maybe we'll like it right there that's the point here maybe you'll like it maybe you don't like fish right now maybe you'd never eat fish a lot of the fish that we're getting at the supermarket it's old it's been frozen once already. It's thawed again. It's gotten mushy. You freeze something and then you let it thaw. You know what happens. It gets mushy. It gets watery. And fish that is mushy and watery and old, that's gross. A lot of people say, I don't even like to eat fish. I never eat fish. Why am I going to go catch it? Fresh fish is totally different. I learned that that first year of our marriage. You see, I went out. I was really excited about opening day that year. It was... Uh, I had read a lot about how to catch trout. I was wanted to catch trout because I knew they were better eating fish. And uh, so I went out opening day and to this little pond that was stocked. Not challenging in the least. Uh, but I wasn't interested in that. I just wanted to get fish home into the frying pan. And uh, I go out there with that same setup I used on my sonny's years back. A pole with a hook on the end and a piece of corn. And all morning I'm watching these other guys pull fish up. One guy in particular, no problem at all. And I didn't get a single bite. So I started paying attention to what they were doing. And what they were using was just worms. So I uh, returned the next day, packet of worms, couple hooks, throwing the worms out, and still not slamming them. This fellow shows up. I think he was Australian, had a really thick accent. How you doing there, mate? Oh, I'm doing okay. You know, not catching any, but I don't want to really admit that. Oh, what do you, well, let me see what you're using there. He comes over and he 
grabs the hook and he puts the worm on. Nah, you're doing it all wrong. Let me show you how. So he splits the worm in half and he threads it onto the hook. Now this is a technique that you can use literally go out tomorrow. Get yourself um, get yourself an ugly stick. It's a cheaper fishing pole. It's indestructible. 40 or 50 bucks you can get an ugly stick combo at your local big box store. And it's going to be able to catch a fish. You have different weights with fishing poles. You have lightweight, medium, and heavy. If you have a light, medium, or just a medium weight pole, that's going to be able to catch you all the kind of fish you're looking to do. In freshwater, at least. So go for a medium weight. And you're going to want what's called six-pound test. That's how they rate the line. Pound test. It just is a way that they measure it. Six-pound test. That'll catch you trout. That'll catch you bass. You can get more complicated, but for today's method, we're going to stick with that. So what this guy, Mike, showed me, his name was Mike, and I referred to him as Fishing Mike for eternity. Um, he cut the worm in half, and he threaded the bait holder hook. That's the kind of hook you're going to use, an eagle claw, number six, bait holder is a perfect kind of hook. He threads the worm onto that. So now... When you cast that line out and it's drifting, the worm is wriggling and uh, the hook is inside it. It's hidden. And if you keep it neat like that, a small hook, straight worm, you don't want the worm all balled up with a big hook and a big old clunky knot. Just something real neat and clean. You want that worm to be uh, laying horizontally out there, waving kind of in the the drift. And uh, the way that you're going to fish this uh, this is a big part of this technique, and it helps you with patience. You're going to cast that out and let it drift. You know, If you're in a river, you're going to let it drift with the current. Or if you're at a pond, just let it free fall. And then you're just going to put the rod down. Lean it up against a log or a bench. And leave it so that there's line coming out of the tip of the rod. And then in a big, gradual bend, it lays flat into the water. And then just watch that line. Don't even hold the pole. Just watch it. When that trout comes along and bites that, you're going to notice a small vibration in the line. That's when they pick it up. And then the line's going to start to move away from you. And that takes all the guesswork out of this. Now, instead of setting the hook too early or uh, losing a fish because you moved the line too quick, you're going to know the minute that line starts moving away that that hook is in that fish's mouth. Grab your pole, slowly reel it in till the line is tight, and then give it a quick hard pull backwards. That's called setting the hook. Set that hook and start to fight that fish in. Now, while you're doing, before you do that, you're going to want to make sure that this is tied securely. Uh, the knot that you want to use. If you're looking for a good, uh, good knot to use, you can f research fishing knots. You don't want to do your shoelace knot because that's gonna, it doesn't work well for fishing. It can break easy. We'll put on the blog post the uh, knot that I usually use. It's called the clinch knot. Uh, real easy to tie. It works real well. So Mike shows me this method. Put the fish on the worm on the hook, cast it out, and now I'm hitting them. And for the first time in my life, I actually catch a limit. Connecticut, you can have five trout. You can take that home. So I caught five. Take them home, and now what? Now i got to clean these fish. So what do I do? YouTube, <laughs> watch a couple different videos. Trout, especially stock trout, are going to be a little bit smaller. And the trout that you want to keep 
Some guys won't even keep trout. A lot of guys, purists, are going to catch and release only for trout, and that's fine. Uh, you catch a bigger trout, you want to send that thing on its way to spawn some more. That's a, a real... A big trout's an amazing animal, and you want to let that go. But a couple you know, small little stockies to take home for dinner, I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm trying to feed my family. and uh, But you don't get a great fillet off a small trout. So the way that I learned to clean the fish, very simple. You take a knife and you split it open on from the base of the tail up to the neck. You split it open, you reach in there and pull all that stuff out. You want to get a real clean cavity. Then you make a cut at the base of the neck, kind of break the head backwards, and then you pull the head, working the skin away from the meat as you go. Now some people like to eat trout skin, that's fine, I don't. So I pull that head off with all the skin all the way to the tail and then I snip that tail off. And now if you can picture what I'm explaining here, you have a comb of meat. And uh, if you want to not waste any of your meat on a fish, this is an awesome method to use, especially on a small fish. Because now what you do, you take that comb, you put it on a plate, you sprinkle whatever kind of spices you like on that fish, whether it's lemon pepper, I use a lot. Uh, if you want a little spicier, maybe some cayenne or paprika. Um, a little salt and pepper. Whatever you like, whatever spice mix you want to use, go for it. Heavily coat this thing. Then a little bit of butter and a little bit of lard and a cast iron skillet. Fry that thing up, both sides. Make sure to cook it through. You don't want mushy trout. Throw that on a plate and then you just... Now remember, the meat's all on the bone here. You're going to just stick your fork at the base of the spine and pull down. And this meat's going to slide right off the bone. You're not going to get any bones in your mouth. You're not going to be crunching on you know, bones in case you filleted a fish badly. Sometimes you get bones in there. And that's another turnoff for people. They don't want bones. This method, you don't waste any meat. You get that thing picked clean. It's delicious. You spice that thing heavily. Trout, it's kind of a... Uh, it's not a real fishy tasting kind of fish. And that's kind of funny to explain. Some fish taste more fishy. Trout's kind of a more plain flavor. It's not my favorite. If you ask me my favorite freshwater fish, it would have to be walleye. That's great eating. But trout's not bad. And uh, they're easy enough to catch the stocked fish. And they're stocked. The state will go out and put these fish in the water. You're going to buy a fishing license, so you're helping pay for those fish to be there. It's a perfect reason to go out and catch a couple and bring them back for dinner. And we would actually vacuum seal a couple of them, put them in the freezer, and uh, thaw them out and eat them later in the season. Not as good. Again, frozen fish is never as good. But stocked trout are a uh, finite commodity. And if you really want to put away some food while you're out there fishing, you better freeze a few because they won't be there come the middle of summer. That's when you're going to have to get a little bit better in your techniques to catch the smarter fish. But this method is really, really a good method, and it will catch you more than just trout. You'll wind up with some catfish and some bass and some sunnies, and try them out. Do a little more research on how to eat those fish and see if you like them. But I got to say, give that trout a shot. See if you like it. It's a great starting point for catching your dinner. Well, you know what we do next. We're homesteaders. We got to take a whole day off and go fishing, a whole morning off. What time of day are we going to go? When are we going to go? And is it worth it? 
Hang on, we'll be right back after a word from one of our sponsors. And then we'll get Accountant Mike's opinion on whether or not this is time well spent. And I'm going to get him to tell one of his fishing stories. Because even though he's a city boy, he does like to fish. All that after this. You know what? Forget commercials this week. Let's hear another fishing story. Back in the childless days, we would go fishing on a charter boat in Groton, Connecticut. (laughs) So back in the childless days, we would go fishing off a charter boat in Groton, Connecticut. We were backpacking in the Sierra, and it was hot and dusty, and we had one of my friends, we called him Icky, which stands for Irritable Curmudgeony Kenny, and Icky was being as irritable as he always was. I just had to get out of camp the next day. And it was the same boat we went on every time, and had the same fishing captain, and he always gave the same spiel. Every time he talked about your bait, and you'd be the best at baiting at the end of the day, and he had a crude joke, and he was kind of long, curly hair, and looked like that. And his talk is always, don't get a hook in your hand, because they'll have to cut it out. Don't ever put your fingers in a bluefish mouth, because they've got big teeth, and you'll never get your finger back. So I grabbed my rod and reel for trout. So I go off and I decided to just get away from camp for about half a day. And as I was coming down this big granite face across this beautiful, pristine, clear as anything lake, I looked across and there was, and I'm not kidding, an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful blonde woman who had just stood up. And I might say, I think I heard you know, the sound of the sound of birds singing her praises and and a clap of thunder and and it was almost like a mirage. So this one morning we were slamming. So we'd you drop your hooks to the bottom, catching tons of bluefish, pulling them back up. And I got this one bluefish out, it was beautiful. So I was posing for a picture. And then we went to take it off the hook and without even thinking put my fingers in a mouth to pull out the hook, just like you would with any fish. Grab the hook, hold the fish, pop it out. But I, this was a bluefish. And in a hundredth of a second, he chomped down on my finger. And I thought, I'm going to have to tell that guy that this fish bit my finger off. And it's going to be really embarrassing for the entire boat to know that of the only girls on the boat, I've got my finger bit off by a fish. Apparently she didn't think anyone was going to be around out there because it was pretty desolate because she was totally naked. But then I realized that she's with her boyfriend who's still laying on the ground. And I realized, oh God, he's naked too. (laughs) So I averted my eyes. He didn't realize, they didn't realize I was there, but I just felt it was improper for me to see a naked couple. So I looked down at the water real quickly. And at that minute, a huge trout comes up from the bottom catches a bug and goes back down. I said, okay, this is where I'm gonna fish. And I started casting and 
Cast once, caught a fish. Cast twice, caught another trout. Cast third time, caught another trout. Cast another time, caught six casts in a row. Six trout. Anyway, so I have Icky to thank for one of my best trout days ever. Combination of, I wouldn't have seen such a beautiful vision in the high Sierra, nor would have I brought back six beautiful trout to, um, to camp that day for, for dinner. And I did give Icky one of the fish, although I did it begrudgingly. So in that second that it bit down on my finger, my husband reacted reflexively and stabbed it in the head with a knife. <laughs> so it didn't bite off my finger, but it was bleeding pretty bad. So we wrapped it up, and I was left with a bloody finger and a big bag of bluefish. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, bro. Hey. You there? Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? I sure do. So, here's the question. Yes, here's the answer. What in the world am I calling you on this show? I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, I've been running through it, and Accountant Mike is so wordy. Yeah, and it's so dull. Who's your favorite sidekick? What do you mean? Like, in like, general, in life? Yeah, ever. Uh... Okay, uh, you got Robin. Robin, he's such a pansy. <laughs> okay, so I guess it's not Robin. <laughs> he's just, he is, he's such a pansy. He's like, so oh Tonto. my god, Batman. Tonto gets beaten up all the time. He goes to town and gets beaten up like it's his job. <laughs> Literally, like, it's okay, the only thing Watson. he does. Oh, but Watson's so dumb. Except in the new one, he's cool in the new one. He's a doctor and everything, and... Okay, we'll work on that. <laughs> His love life is just... Just call me Ultra, or Ulch. Just, that's it. That's all you need. All right, everybody. This is my buddy, Ulch. He's uh, the accountant for our farm, and uh, we call him up to make sure these ideas that we're telling you to go do... Well, we call him up, really, to try to convince him to do them. So, let's get really down to what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to see if we can get him to give us a thumbs up or thumbs down today on today's topic, which is fishing. Okay, so um, now you got to come clean with us, Ulch. You're a city guy. You're an accountant. But go ahead and break it to the audience. What, do you, what am I breaking to them? <laughs> no, you like the fish. Oh... And would you say on a scale of 1 to 10 that you enjoy it? 
Okay, so yes, the rumors are true. I have actually fished before, and on a scale of 1 to 10, I do enjoy it at least like a 4, depending on the day. Oh, come on, that's awful. That's not enjoyment. <laughs> well, I said at least. No, like, a 4 is I enjoyment. Like... Come on. I like driving to my job at a four. No, <laughs> driving to driving to work is like a three. Depending on what time of day I wake him up to go yeah, fishing, see, and, what the weather's like. I said at least four. Gotcha. <laughs> what? I reserve my nines and tens for special life events. <laughs> <laughs> so today's top or uh, today's technique, what we're gonna break down with you. Yeah. Um, Going out, I mean, fishing is a huge topic. It's a hobby in itself. Uh, but obviously the point of giving you the call in the show is to say we're homesteaders. We're taking time out of our day to do this. Is it worth the time away from the farm? All right. Uh, you, you know, looking at it from that point of view, are okay. we going to get your your accountant calculative calculation, thumbs up, thumbs down on this idea? All right. So not so much on a like... Do you enjoy it? No. I mean, you can't tell somebody if they enjoy fishing that it's not worth going fishing. This right. is more like, is it a real, is it a good way to put food on the table? Is it a worthwhile, if you have to choose between, you know, going out and uh, taking care of your chickens or working in your raised bed, which you built last month, or, um, hopefully, you know, catching some fish. Right. So, All right. So what do you need to know? Uh... Okay, well then let's say, let's say that we've got somebody who's like totally green, totally new. He needs to go out there and get everything he's gonna need. Like, what's he buying, and how much is this mess gonna cost? I mentioned previously in the show uh, an ugly stick fishing pole. It's un. The, the so we went through the list of our equipment: fishing pole, hooks, worms, everything you need to get going. Here's what we came up with. Okay, so I'm in for like a hundred bucks. I'm going out there. Uh, where am I going? Like, am I just going to some stream up north or something? Where am I going? You know, this depends on your goal. If you want to become a master fisherman and you know find these wild fish, you can go that route, and it's a lot of fun. If you just want to put food on the table, you find out what bodies of water are stocked, and uh, your state will list that on websites. You know, you're your Department of Environmental Resource websites. On the interweb? Um, yeah. I like mean, if you're going to go out to a stream or something like that, how much time are you going to be spending? You compare, I can go out opening morning to a stock pond and just, I can catch five fish in two hours. It's one thing to go to a pond 10 minutes from your house. It's another thing to drive for an hour, go to a stream, send, spend six hours there. <laughs> catch nothing <laughs> and go home i mean that stinks yeah Oof. yep and it's it just... happens you remember our trip to rhode island yeah a couple of years back so right? every year my family goes out to rhode island we have a long-standing summer tradition and mike's been joining us for this trip for numerous years and now him and his wife come with us and we spend every morning trying to catch fish we can bring home for dinner Four, Some years, years ago, ago. Okay. I blocked it from my, from my memory. We're out in Rhode Island. We were dying to catch a striped bass. The beginning of the week, we tried fishing off jetties. Uh, we tried fishing off the salt ponds during the day. Uh, we 
We tried everything, fished off the beach with the waves crashing on us. Um, remember the night on the jetty you had a really good bite? You remember what happened yeah, there? Yeah, like the thing snapped my line or something like that. I don't know. It was awful. We're out, we're out at the jetty. It's like midnight. We've been fishing yeah. for two hours. No, we've been fishing for days at this point. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Forget the two hours. It's like every morning, let's wake up at five and try again in this place. And, ah, oh, we didn't catch anything this morning. Let's go tonight so and try casting into the surf. Oh, my God. Mike's got one of my, uh, you know, like $20 lures on, and he casts it out, and he gets this <laughs> Oh, that's right. Hit. You bought that. <laughs> yeah, it was mine. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and this fish hits it, and finally we got a fish, and it takes off, and Mike's going, whoa, whoa. I come running over it, and then snap yeah that's like the second fish story in this podcast that ends with snap <laughs> yeah well hey I'll, I'll listen any of your people listening on podcasts you're gonna go out there and your lines are gonna snap and you're gonna lose lures and you're gonna get stuck in weeds oh my god just all of your life you will be stuck in a weed you will not catch anything your wife will hate you because you've been gone all day and then you come back and you're in a bad mood because you didn't catch anything and you're going to do all this at like 6 in the morning. So Is that what happened on Sunday? <laughs> no, no. No, she was fine Sunday. We're good. Um, so back to the question that, that I, we told you we were going to tell fish stories in this episode. We weren't lying about that. The other the stories might be lies, but... No, now, that uh, one's not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why would no. we lie about not catching any fish all week? Yeah, I know. <laughs> be the dumbest fishing story lie ever. <laughs> So, to get back to your question, though, if you really want to, like, make your time count, uh, pick a body of water that's stocked. Here's what you do. You go out, and you go out with a kid, and you catch five, and he catches five, and you take his fish, because <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> eat fish, because he's a kid. What kid ever eats fish? Uh-huh. Um I that's ate what fish I did. when I was a kid. Come on. You ate Gordon's fish sticks. Come on, right? Wow. That Trust counts. the Gordon's fisherman. <laughs> Is that really their song? I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look it up. Quality. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway, you go out with a group. You catch a bunch of fish. Or you go out, you know, during the beginning of the season, one day a week for the month. You're Now you're talking 20, 20 trout. And you're going to have to freeze some of them. Um, but they do freeze well. We used to vacuum seal ours. You catch them fresh, you vacuum seal them. They're not going to be, again, any frozen fish isn't going to be as good, but it's still not bad. All right. All right. It comes down to what your time is worth, and uh, you need to basically figure out, like, okay, in my life right now is my time, if I've got, let's say I've got four hours today to spend on my farm, or what are you calling this, my homestead? That's the what, what, are we, the, what are we colonizing yeah. the West or something? Oh my God! All right, <laughs> it's a little term I just came up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's say you've got four hours to spend on your homestead. You really need to look at, I mean, something called opportunity cost works into this. This is opportunity cost is basically the most profitable thing that you're not doing by choosing to do whatever it is that you're doing. And like, let's say that I I have my day ahead of me, and I can either go to work, or I can take a vacation day and I could sleep all day, or I could take my vacation day and go see a museum or something else that I've wanted to do, right? 
when I wake up in the morning, I've got my decision to make. And so let's say, okay, you know what? I really want to go to, I want to go to a museum today. So I'm taking my vacation day and I'm done, right? Uh-huh. My opportunity cost is the most valuable of the other options that I'm not using. It's not both of them combined because I'm only doing one of them, but it's either going to work or it's sleeping all day, whichever one of those I want to do. That's my opportunity cost. That's the thing I can't do. So yeah, you've got to figure out, okay, I've got four hours to spend on my homestead. I can either go fishing or I can do X with the other thing I could do. I could work on my container garden or I could work on, I don't know, doing some advertising for my homestead business that I'm going to sell stuff from. Like, I don't know. You tell me. What else do you do with your life? Milk the goats. All right. Pig pen. You could milk the goats. <laughs> oh. oh, God. So in order to figure this out, let's, let's figure out what these trout are worth. You said like... So to figure out the value of our catch, we compared the price of buying the same five fish at a local market fresh versus what it cost us to catch those same five fish at 12 bucks a fish okay so if we get five of them we're buying if we get five of them we're buying 60 bucks worth of fish yep all right that's cool that's good to know so if we sort of okay so if we recap this a little bit first year you're buying a whole bunch of stuff you're buying a fishing license fishing pole hooks shine is on a hook the dead butt worms so you're all into this for like a 115 120 bucks you go out opening day you catch yourself 60 bucks worth of fish we had over 50 or 60 bluefish three pick rolls so you've made up half of your cost right there Uh, and then let's say you go again the very next day and catch five more fish six beautiful trout the bloody finger and a big bag of bluefish so that's 60 more bucks worth of fish so the moment we're all waiting for, right? Right. We're in the courtroom. All rise. Accountant Mike has entered the court. Have Do I your calculations. Like a judge now? Am I a judge yeah. or something? What's well, last week here? you were Caesar. This week you're going to be uh, <laughs> Judge Judy. <laughs> all right, Judge Judy. Mike, yeah, what do you think? Do oh, you're you doing more of a build-up, or was that it? <laughs> no, that was it. I can do oh. more later. Oh, all right. Uh, if you're going to a stocked pond, sure, I give it my thumbs up. I think you're going to... Nice. I think the the fish you're going to catch and the time you're going to spend is going to make it worth it. You're going to get more fish. You're going to end up actually saving money on it. And they'll be fresh, so sure, good. Awesome. If you're going to be one of those crazy people who's going <laughs> to go out into the middle of nowhere and hunt down a bear and shoot him and catch his fish from him. Then don't you know. don't care what we have to say. You're not even listening to this <laughs> Right, show. then you're not even listening. Because you don't have an iPod, and that's what a <laughs> podcast is played on, right? <laughs> they tell me. They tell me. Well, folks, there you have it. Mike, the accountant, says go fishing, and he does go fishing. So, you know, if he's, if he's done the risk assessment... And gone fishing. And he doesn't even go... When we go to Rhode Island, he doesn't even go to a stock pond. We go out there on the salt ponds, and I force him to wake up every day at a horrible hour. And, yeah, we catch, like, uh, one or two keepers a week. Yeah. but In a good week. Man, they're delicious. Yeah, they are good. So, 
All right, yeah, we, we got time for one more. We've only spent 55 minutes doing this. Let's do one more fish story. Let's tell them about <laughs> O. Henry. So we're back in Rhode Island, and uh, we were out there in the middle of the day. Yeah, we tried all the early ones and caught nothing. <laughs> buckets of squid. We had this bucket of squid, put a hook on, cast out, and we're wading up to about our chests. Oh, that's right. I and, forgot uh, this is when we did that. Yeah, all of a sudden, bam, I get a hit. <laughs> And this thing takes off, and I yell to Mike, grab the net. <laughs> These striped bass that you catch, a keeper, just to get an idea, is 28 inches. So you're dealing with you know, fish this the length of your arm. And uh, the net that we brought to catch this fish is probably the size of my head. <laughs> yeah, it was like three inches across. <laughs> so I'm fighting this fish for maybe five, six minutes, and I'm getting him close to the beach. And this is the pivotal moment. If you if you get the fish hung up on that net and the line goes slack, he can spit it and take off and you're game over right at the boat. So you grab that net. I wade closer to you and I got the picture sequence. I'll post it on the blog of you holding the net almost like a spear and then right down in the water and then up with that fish. And I just was like, yeah. I let out a, uh, I don't know, what's a... I let out a William Wallace freedom. <laughs> I was yep. pretty stoked after a, after a week straight of fishing oh. with no results. I gave Mike the uh, we came up with a little um, tradition from that day forward. The guy who nets your your keeper, you know, saltwater fish, this giant behemoth of a fish, gets to name it. And I don't know why. Oh, you had an O. Henry candy bar, right? Is that yeah, why you I named just, it O. Henry? I don't know. A moment of inspiration struck me, and I named him O. Henry. There it is. So O. Henry, yeah, that was it. I got a picture of him up on my wall still. And uh, that was the first striper that I ever caught that was a keeper. We took it back to the house, cooked that thing up. And I tell you, people who don't like fish, if you catch a fresh striper, oh, man, nobody doesn't eat that fish. Is that a double negative? Nobody doesn't? Sure. Everyone eats fine. the fish. <laughs> My dad eats the fish, so there you go. Except the uh, people listening don't know your dad. We're going to let you go, Ulch. Um, Thumbs up from the accountant. Go fishing. Sure, go fishing. So we'll uh, talk to you next month. You're sitting around the campfire telling stories. And now it's your turn. You gotta get people's attention. You gotta entertain them, keep them captivated until the end, so that your story stands out. It's no different with the projects we work on, personal or for our own business. We need to get our story told, and Tribal Droid Studio can help us do that. Whether it's graphic design, logo design, or branding, it's important to have a strong visual identity. Your visual identity is a story. And the team of artists and storytellers at Tribal Droid Studio can help you do that. They did it for me and made my logo. And they can tell your story, too. They can turn your vision into visuals. Whether it be for your illustration, character design, sign making, or any other promotional materials. Go to tribaldroid.com or email them at tribaldroidstudio at gmail.com. There's a saying, if you teach a man to fish... I know you've heard it before. Homesteady's slogan is the road is rocky, make homesteady, right? So where we're getting our food from, 
where everything's coming from and how it gets to our table. It is so messed up now, the way it's done on the big picture. But you can change that. And it's as simple as just grabbing a fishing pole and going out to your local body water and fishing. And yeah, you're going to help change it, but you're also going to have a blast because fishing is so much fun. You're going to go out there, you're going to hook onto a big bass, you're going to reel it in, cook that thing up. If you don't know how to cook what you catch, find some other recipes. You're going to love it. It is so much fun. Didn't I already say that? It's fun. Go. And when you catch those sweet bass, send us some photos because we want to see them. Send them to Aust at thisishomesteady.com. You got a month. Get to work. And until our next show, remember, the road is rocky. Make home steady. Wait, wait, wait. Don't hang up the phone. Quick announcement from Homesteady. Hey everybody, this is Aust, and thanks again for listening to the show. I just wanted to let you know of a few exciting things that are happening in the Homesteady community. Uh, First, the website is officially up now. The URL is thisishomesteady.com. Go check out the site. We got some great pictures, some nice blog posts, and we're going to add a lot to it over the coming months. You can see the recap of each episode and uh, the pictures and videos of the things that we talked about. Uh, This month, we posted an awesome video that our friends at Square Globe Studios helped us produce. It's uh, a video of our opening day, and it really takes you through the process, pasture to plate, uh, you know, from going out in the morning, catching the fish, then taking it home, cleaning it, cooking it up and uh, having having a meal together awesome video check it out Uh, all you got to do is go to the website and uh, either click on episode two of the podcast you'll see it there or you can uh, click on it uh, through the blog roll but uh we're gonna have a lot of stuff every month with each episode we'll have bonus material on the website uh, videos and pictures of the stories that we tell and the things that we talk about and uh not only our own but we're also going to include the homesteady community in on this too any of the topics that we talk about on this show uh, if you've already done them before or if we encouraged you to do it uh, send us pictures for example last episode i got an email from a man named mark he lives out in michigan and he has these beautiful raised beds that he's built he sent me a nice picture of them and and a list of all the things that are growing in them really really awesome garden good job mark if you're listening so uh, I took Mark's picture, I posted it in the gallery, and uh, you can see that if you go to the Homesteady page, thisishomesteady.com, check out the gallery, and you can be included in that gallery. If you're leading a sustainable life in any way, you know, if any of the things that you're doing, send us some pictures and we'll post them on the Homesteady community page. Those are all going to go up on the website. Because we want to encourage us all as a community to do this. So if you've got pictures of fish you've caught or raised beds that you've planted, if we inspired you to do it or even if we just encourage you to keep going, uh, send them over to aust at thisishomesteady.com. That's the email address. And you can find them posted in the gallery at thisishomesteady.com. So go check out the website. Send us your pics. And stay tuned for next month's show. 
You go onto someone else's property. You move spot from spot, grabbing whatever you can and shoving it into your bag. All the fun of stealing, but you're not. Next month on Home Study, it's pick your own and make some jam. We'll see you then.